Hello, and welcome to the Strategica podcast from the Hoover Institution, analyzing the intersection of military history and contemporary national security concerns. You can find us online at hoover.org forward slash Strategica. I'm your host, Troy Sinek, and today we'll be examining the topic of the most recent issue of the magazine. What is the likely trajectory of Chinese-Japanese tensions and how will the United States be affected? And we are joined today by the author of the historical backgrounder in this piece, Miles Mountchun Yu, professor of East Asia and military and naval history at the United States Naval Academy, as well as the author of numerous scholarly articles and newspaper columns on military and intelligence history. Miles, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right, so let's start with the basics. For somebody who is just not familiar with the issues that you're tackling in this piece for Strategica, there is a long-standing history of antagonisms between China and Japan. So before we get into the present-day concerns, just give us the you know the quick explainer of the historical events that have given rise to that tension. Well, China has tension with Japan. There's no doubt about that. Uh, mostly because of the geographical. Uh, proximity and uh, for to a larger degree, also there's some kind of historical uh, jealousy, if you will, because Japan had long been regarded as China's student. China, Japan borrowed many key cultural elements from China. Yet, since the 1860s, Japan has forged ahead to uh, far ahead of China to become uh, a world power and has defeated China in 1894-95 and again in 191930s and 40s. So. That aggravated the historical animosity, uh, but I think you know since 1949, the China-Japanese, China-Japan animosity has taken on a different form because there are many other world events, particularly the Cold War pattern, uh, where China sided with the Soviet Union and Japan sided with the United States, uh, has far overcome the historical animosity. Uh, right now, the China-Japan tensions uh, are all disguised in the form of historical perspective, uh, which actually is very beguiling in my view, uh, which is basically the foundation of this piece I'm writing for Hoover Strategica. Right. So let, let's talk about some of these issues that come up now that, that are reflective of precisely that dynamic. Um, first, this is something we've heard a lot of noise about recently, the dispute over the, the Senkaku Islands and who rightfully owns them. Where did this fight come from and why has there been this much contention over such relatively small pieces of land? Well, um, we often describe China as a rising power, uh, very much in the same mode of uh, uh, Kaiser's Germany in the late 19th century. Uh, so China's rise actually uh, has some strategic goals, but those goals are very vague because uh, it's not based upon specific demands. Uh, China just wants to dominate in the world. Uh, so when it comes to specifics, China uh, mostly very uh, unclear. That's why many of the China's t territorial di uh, disputes with its neighbors uh, mostly because of uh, the uh, the opacity and vagueness of exactly what China wants. Uh, so when it comes to specific cases uh, with Japan, so China pick on say Senkaku issue, which is uh, basically had long long been a non issue. Uh, China, Japan, the United States, and virtually nobody uh, had ever challenged Japan's uh, sovereignty to the Senkaku Island until. Uh, the early 1970s, on the eve of uh, 
uh, America's return of those islands to Japan because since World War II, since the end of World War II, U.S. had been occupying the Japanese island of Senkakus. So the Nixon administration decided to return those to, to, to the Japanese in the early 1970s. And oddly enough, it was not China, but Taiwan at the time that began to challenge uh, Japan's sovereignty to the Senkaku Island. Now, Taiwan it, uh, at the time was still a uh, uh, total, uh, is an authoritarian regime with this claim of a vast territory uh, uh, in Asia and the Pacific as, as a Chinese, uh, in other words, represented by Taiwan. And that would include not only uh, South China Sea, the Senkakus, but also Mongolia. So there is this uh, uh, rhetorical and idealistic uh, I, part of that uh, claim and also a realistic part of the claim. So when Taiwan claimed uh, uh, Senkakus as Taiwanese, as Chinese, and uh, the U.S. basically uh, at the time were uh, was ally of both Taiwan and Japan. So without... Uh, 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 agonizing uh, both allies and the UN United States basically decided to have Taiwan and Japan to sit down to negotiate a peaceful resolution. That's when China jumped in because China did not want Taiwan to re represent China to negotiate a territorial issue. So in December 1970, for the first time, the Chinese government in Beijing decided to challenge the sovereignty issue of the Senkakus. Another issue that the Chinese fall back on a lot, it, it's one that's almost hard to describe for, for Western years without making it sound um, somewhat juvenile, I guess. But basically the issue is whether the modern Japanese are sorry enough for the abuses of, of imperial Japan. That's, that's sort of remarkable. Explain the dynamic there. Well, there's no doubt Japan in the 1920s, 30s, and, and particularly in the 40s committed incredible – uh, atrocities against uh, the neighboring countries uh, in Asia, and also um, uh, Japan also committed atrocities toward the uh, the Americans and Australians, and so Japan was defeated, soundly defeated in the same way that Germany was defeated. So post war war to Japan and pre World War to Japan are vastly different uh, societies. Um, in post World War to Japan, Japan was thoroughly humiliated and uh, defeated, and the United States remade Japan into a democracy that is today it's Japan. So uh, whether Japan has apologized to its neighboring countries that it colonized and invaded, um, that's never been an issue because Japan has apologized to, uh, to this, uh, those countries uh, more than 50 times. Uh, so the question that China has with Japan right now is whether those Japanese apologies were sincere or not. Now, that's a very tricky question. Uh, how do you know, uh, how do you judge, how do you find the tangible evidence of sincerity of apology? Right. Uh, so based upon that, and Japan and China now are disputing uh, the sincerity of those apologies rather than whether Japan did apologize or not. And the the third issue here, sort of a related one, is you will see uh, Chinese allegations that this old uh, Japanese fascist spirit is is lurking just under the surface, sort of waiting to be restored. And one of the arguments they use to bolster bolster this claim is that there is historical revisionism permeating Japanese textbooks. Is there really this sort of of latent romance for the old Japan running through the country? 
there's no doubt there are some old timers in in Japan as in any society to uh, to want to uh, uh, go back to to a time when Japan was a a military uh, uh, militarist country. But there again, there is a proportionality here. Uh, in Japan, if anybody who has visited Japan, Japan is one of the most peaceful uh, country, peace loving country in the world today. Japan contributed tremendously to uh, global security and world peace through venues such as uh, United Nations. Uh, so it's a uh, it's actually laughable to even even contemplate the very idea that Japan is trying to revive the fascist the militaristic spirit in Japan. Um, there's no politician who can do that. Now the textbooks uh, is a very tricky one. Japan has eight textbooks uh, authorized to be used by all other schools. Uh, it's based upon a uh, old tradition, mostly uh, the major tradition that the government would uh, sort of uh, uh, keep an eye on the textbook textbooks to prevent the extremist, extreme left, extreme right wing ver versions of Japanese history. Now, the American occupation force under Douglas MacArthur actually encouraged the system to prevent mostly leftist uh, extremist version of history to indoctrinate the Japanese school children. So, but it's entirely up to each individual school in Japan to choose which textbook to use. Now, of the current eight history books in Japan available, only one of them is questionable. It's written by a group of right-wingers who try to downplay the atrocities of the wartime Japan inflicted upon the neighboring countries. Of the schools who choose this right-wing version of a Japanese textbook, its total percentage of schools is less than 1% in Japan. So that's, in other words, 99% of Japanese schools reject this version of, 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 of history books. So you, you tell me that's, that, 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 that is the, uh, the problem. It's not a problem. The, I think what China uh, has um, uh, an issue with here is not whether there is a right-wing view in Japan or not whether China endorses a pluralistic society where all voices can be heard. Uh, so in a democracy, you have all sorts of views. Japan is a democracy, and it's a right-wing view of history has been soundly rejected by 99% of, of Japanese people. So that tells you how healthy and how sound the Japanese society is. It's all the result of, by the way, pluralism. In China, the government writes whole history, government also censors history books, so they demand intellectual as well as cultural unanimity. And that's the fundamental difference between Japan and China. You talk in your piece at Strategica about the 36 Stratagems, a uh, document that's revered in Chinese circles and that you think sort of sheds some light on how the Chinese are conducting themselves vis-a-vis -vis Japan. I explain the significance of the stratagems, uh, what they have for the Chinese and how they bear on what's, what's going on now. Well, so in this case, in this piece, uh, I wrote about um, uh, two parts. One is the uh, historical uh, key points of contention between China and Japan. That will include basically Senkaku's, uh, uh, whether apologies or sincerity or uh, sincere or the history textbooks. So, so in my view, that those uh, historical issues were basically non-issues. So right. what it really is the uh, cause of Japanese and uh, Chinese tension? 
So the second part of my uh, piece basically says that uh, the ultimate objective is for the Chinese to expel the American predominance in the Western Pacific because the cornerstone of America's presence in Asia Pacific is the U.S.-Japan Defense Alliance. Uh, Japan and the U.S. Uh, have have very strong uh, alliance relationship. And uh, if that relationship stays in Asia, there is a, a very uh, unlikely outcome for China's dominance in Western Pacific. Therefore, China's ultimate goal in Western Pacific is to isolate Japan and to break the Japanese-American alliance. When Japan is down and out, and then China will use this issue to uh, ultimately drive America out of the Western Pacific. So, um, and right now, uh, China sees what it considers as golden opportunity, and that is the Americans' so-called decline um, uh, in global stance, uh, mostly because of our uh, Washington policy of uh, 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 shrinking Americans' military responsibility and military uh, presence uh, globally. And China get that idea. So that's why they were further emboldened by uh, by the, uh, the perceived American decline. Now, all this Chinese calculation, it, my, I argue in my piece, is deeply rooted in traditional Chinese military strategy. And China's strategic culture is based upon very strong realism. Uh, one particular military text, which had not been very known, well known in China and throughout the East Asia until the early 1960s, until the Chinese government promoted and popularized it, is called the 36 Stratagems. Um, and I list the three of them uh, in my piece to illustrate China's ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, first strategy China used is to uh, to uh, befriend a distant ally, in this case, the United States, and to attack the nearby enemy, in this case, it's Japan. So that's basically uh, the uh, the first strategy. Uh, the uh, the Chinese phrase for that is Yuan Jiao Jin Gong. Now, uh, China's alliance with the United States is not ultimately to befriend the United States because China wants to use the resources of the United States to defeat the Japanese. Once Japan is down and out, and then China would seize the opportunity to become an owner. That's the uh, third strategy they use, so-called basically to, uh, to change, to replace the United States as dominant military force in the region. And so that is the China's ultimate objective. And you can read the Chinese press, you can read the Chinese policy pronouncements, and and the Chinese military uh, honchos can hardly hide their such intentions. It is actually uh, befuddling. Uh, very few of those Chinese pronouncements have been picked up by Western media. So final question then, where do you put the – where do you rate the prospects that China will accomplish those goals? And, and what do the United States and Japan have to do to, to keep it from coming to fruition? Which is why uh, when the tensions in Asia Pacific get really, really hot, the ultimate action 
Washington policymakers, defense analysts, would have to take is to further strengthen the U.S.-Japan defense alliance. And everybody knows that is the ultimate choice U.S. has to make. Unfortunately, we make this announcement. We strengthen U.S.-Japanese relations only when the Chinese provocation become critical. So there is a lack of transparency. There's a lack of consistency in beefing up U.S.-Japan alliance. So. Uh, we say U.S.-Japan defense alliance is a cornerstone of a U.S. policy toward Asia, and that has to be very clear. Unfortunately, there's also many other uh, uh, distractions too. One of the most uh, uh, pernicious one is our uh, over reliance on so-called military engagement with the uh, with the People's Liberation Army at any cost. Uh, so I think that some of this uh, uh, engagement at any cost has been very dangerous and has been very damaging to the confidence of the Japanese over the uh, U.S.-Japan Defense Alliance. All right. My guest has been Miles Maochun Yu, professor of East Asia and military and naval history at the United States Naval Academy. You can read his essay and those by other members of Hoover's Military History Working Group by visiting us online at hoover.org forward slash strategica. That's S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-K-A. Miles, thanks for joining us. Thank you. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Troy Sinek. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Strategica, and I'm Victor Davis Hanson. <laughs>